0: Greetings, and thank you for joining me for quite excellent episode number 40. This week's poem is Not Waving, But Drowning by British poet Stevie Smith. It was originally published in her collection of poetry, appropriately titled Selected Poems, although that's not where I found it. I found it on Poetry Foundation, their website, and it's one that I'm familiar with, one that I've seen. Uh, I've seen it referenced not just in books on poetry and by poets, but also in novels, There's something in the imagery and failure to perspective take here that I think easily lends itself to lingering in the back of your thoughts long after you've heard it, like a song that gets in your head and you start bobbing to it, or you start humming the chorus even on your first listen to it. But before we get to Smith, we must return to Laura Kasichke. Please is a poem I enjoyed because of how effortlessly it seemed to use imagery to create complexity in what is a simple request. Please stay in this world with me. And and then, as the poem concludes, its final and most complete image seems to encapsulate those feelings that came before. It's just lovely. Here's the poem. Please, Laura Kositschke. Stay in this world with me. There go the ships, the little buses, the sanctity, the subway. But let us stay. Every world has pain. I knew it when I brought you to this one. It's true that rain is never stopped by the children's parade. Still, I tell you, it weakens you after a while into love. The plastic cow, the plastic barn, the fat yellow pencil, the smell of paste. Oh, I know it wasn't perfect all along, its tears and gravities, its spaces and caves. As I know it again today, crossing the street, your hand and mine, heads bowed in a driving rain. One of the things that I think is important to start with is the title. Uh, Not many students spent a lot of time with the title, uh, but those that did, and one in particular, notes how it establishes a particular tone here. The student says they're basically begging that person to stay with the use of this please title. The student said that when I reread the poem, it seemed that she was speaking in a way that was kind of soft and sad in a way. Like she was still trying to persevere in some way to get through or over something. Now, most students saw this speaker as a mother, as a parent, trying to comfort their child. Some pointed to the lines that say, the rain is never stopped by the children's parade, to state that pain doesn't even stop for the happiness and innocence of children. And even kids can be in pain, which is what worries the mother. Another said that regardless of the suffering, the mother's love is enough to bring someone to this world and persevere together with their heads bowed in a driving rain. The student said the speaker talks about their experience learning as a mother, which is a kind of different perspective, not just speaking to the child about the world, but really talking about their own experience. The student points to where it says that still, I tell you, it weakens you after a while into love. and explains that this had them thinking about how sometimes we feel as if our mom knows everything, but in reality they don't. Everyone is constantly learning. And this student sees this mother learning and trying to express that learning as well. Another said that it could be the case that the mom is already older, and she's reflecting on the good old days. And now she herself needs help crossing the street, your hand in mine. She's still filled with love with her child, but their relationship has changed a little bit. The way they help each other has changed. My student says that, This poem seems to be showing the young listener that if you look to love, you can persevere through anything. Now, the maternal-child relationship is not the only way that this was viewed. Some thought that there was a romantic relationship here. One student thought that this might be someone expressing uh, a stage of grief after a breakup or a divorce that the other person who seems to be quitting the relationship and the listener just isn't really satisfied anymore. Another who thought that this might be a romantic relationship said the speaker knows that the world and their partner aren't perfect, but it just wants the person it loves to be there with them, with their hand and mind. Now, this is not the majority of the responses, but I do think a student was able to notice this pattern, that it could be seen in another way, and then bring those things together pretty well. What they said is that in the end, it does not matter whether the poem was directed to a child or a lover. We can still interpret the pain the author or the speaker feels as they are close to losing that person. Another extends on this idea, I think, when they point to the line that says, your hand in mine, heads bowed in a driving rain. Uh, the student suggested this could mean that they will get through all the pain the world has to offer as long as they are beside each other. I like that. Uh, and, and I think a lot of other students liked it too. One student, uh, encapsulated this thought pretty well by simply saying that the message was very nice in this poem. And I agree. And students consistently wanted to express and state, what is this poem saying? What is its thematic ideas? Uh, one student said that life's too short to dread the small things, and that's something that we should take away from this. Another suggested that even though there was pain and hurt in this world, there is still joy and beauty. And pain can sometimes bring out how much you love something. An additional student said the speaker of the poem wants the listener to stick with them in an imperfect world in which joy and innocence are overshadowed by pain and strife. And another, feeling pain is a universal human experience whether you know it or not, so make sure to persevere. And I think these are all lovely, profound ways to think about this poem and what this poem is trying to say, or at least is saying. Ignore the trying. We can see these thematic ideas in this poem, regardless of the author's intent, although I do think that our poet here probably did intend for us to consider these things here. Now, as always, when I get uh, readings that surprise me that I didn't see coming, or of course, if they talk about structure, I gotta bring them up in their own separate little discussion. In this case, this is the former. Uh, I had a couple students who approached this in in ways that were really interesting that I want to bring up. Um, One said that this poem demonstrates the act of finding the good in life. And it conveys that feeling of nostalgia through visual and olfactory imagery. And it particularly focused on nostalgia by saying that because when we're younger, we take such things for granted, such as friends, school, and the joys of being young, and we start to get older and miss those times. And it's for this reason that the poem is so interested with having the imagery of childhood pointing to, for example, the ships, the little buses, the plastic cow, the fat yellow pencil. A couple students actually pointed to the fat yellow pencil in particular, because it's so closely associated with being a child and learning how to write. And another student uh, said that this is about the perseverance of immigrants coming into America. In particular, they pointed to the line that says, every world has pain. And that every world was speaking not just the experiences that these people are experiencing in this moment, but about the experiences of people everywhere in a variety of cultures in a variety of countries. Christian says that this may be a mother or a parent taking their child into a different country, maybe letting them know that no matter where they go, they will find pain. And I think there's something really lovely about being able to take a poem like this, that has some more obvious reads, which I and I think the most obvious is that of a child and a mother, but also apply it to other contexts, that romance or immigration, and those kind of struggles. And regardless of how this is recontextualized, we end up with this thematic idea about the universality of pain, but also joy and companionship. And all of that, I think, feels true and honest and and wonderfully thoughtful. Our next poem is Not Waving, But Drowning by Stevie Smith. This poem is one that I think nearly everyone can relate to. There's a feeling of not being understood in here that is profound. And I'll bet students can make connections to their own life, to modern society, or even to the recent poems last semester by Dennis Smith and Langston Hughes, if they wish. And the way Stevie Smith manages this through a deceptively simple image and a surprising number of speakers in such a short poem, it's masterful. There are three speakers in just 12 lines one of whom is somewhat unusual. He's dead. The first speaker is a pretty common third-person narrator who seems indifferent to the characters involved in the poem, and he, or they, provide us with some of the basic details. The second speaker is a bystander, or a group of them, the they of the poem. And the third is the dead man himself, somehow suffering even after death. This circumstances of his death and the life he lived are different, depending on who is speaking. And this is where the poem does its work, in the difference between how the dead man recalls his life and death, and how those closest to him do. The way the poem introduces those perspectives is by creating clear shifts in who is speaking, or how they are speaking. Shifts like these are key parts in nearly every poem that has ever been written. And a clever reader of poetry will always be looking for them and relying on them when they're there, when they're analyzing a poem. For this reason, our passphrase is shift in perspective, or other versions of this phrase, that all equally acceptable, so long as students are attempting to identify where these shifts occur and what they might mean. Additionally, this poem response requires students to complete a writing task. Because the background events of this poem are so critical to understanding it, this week, our writing task is to include a very brief one-to-two-sentence summary of the poem's events. And they have to be included in the written response, not before or after. I suggest students include this early in the response, maybe after their topic sentence and claim. Here's the poem. Not Waving, But Drowning, by Stevie Smith Nobody heard him, the dead man, but still he lay moaning. I was much further out than you thought, and not waving, but drowning. Poor chap. He always loved larking, and now he's dead. It must have been too cold for him. His heart gave way, they said. Oh no, 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 it was too cold always. Still the dead one lay moaning. I was much too far out all my life, and not waving, but drowning. Students, be sure to include a brief 1-2 to sentence summary in your response and use shift in perspective or any version of that phrase in your response. Because this is a poem with multiple speakers, you'll want to identify them in some way. Just saying the speaker repeatedly will likely create some confusion you might consider referring to these speakers by their role, such as the narrator, the dead man, and the onlookers, or some version of these, but only do this after you've introduced their presence in the poem. Remember to complete your paragraph-length response by Wednesday, January 13th, and two replies to the responses of your peers by the Friday that ends the week. Your paragraph-length response should include a tag and make a claim in the opening sentence or two, and any evidence you use should be short embedded smoothly into your sentences, and fully explained. Be sure to read the assignment instructions for a full breakdown of the expectations. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like me to direct an eye toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeachers.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 40 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, you discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.